Force O'Neill, thanks for listening to my dad and his boyhood friend, Mr. Ron. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 514 now of the Ron and Don Show. And oh, yeah, we are live from the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the uh, Ron and Don Show, we haven't had a chance yet to talk about the life changing event uh, that we just had last week. Can't wait to tell you about it. And we have more life changing events coming up so stay tuned for that also netflix are they in the business now of solving crimes yeah we got to talk about this do you say murdoch or murdoch or murdoch or murdoch a lot of people say uh, that last name quite differently and they do that on the netflix show and of course we're talking about the lawyer down there uh who it seems like allegedly may have had something to do with the killing of his son and the killing of his wife. And then we find out, as you look around his life, this high-powered attorney down in Texas, it seems like there's other people that have died around him. And now Netflix is wondering, can we connect these crimes to this particular gentleman as well? So we'll get to that. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. You've probably already heard it came out in The Athletic. People are talking once again about Russell Wilson. And what's really interesting this time is now some of his old teammates are actually coming to his defense. In fact, this happened yesterday. Uh, Ron, what was in The Athletic, though? And for, if you don't know The Athletic, it's it, it, it's kind of the sports version of The Atlantic, right? Yeah, so it's a very reputable um, publication. And, and just for some people that have never worked, I feel like I need to say this in the fake news era. Um, there are websites and things where someone is in their basement, they write something and they hit publish and it goes out. Uh, and, and it can look like a new, a real news organization. It can feel like a real news organization. And that's sort of what happened in the last presidential election is you had all these uh, bots that were hyping up articles that were written in this way without any sort of fact checking. This sort of story is from a legitimate publisher. When what that means is you write a draft you have all your sources down, you meet with an editor or sometimes even an editorial board. They go through everything. There's a separate wing that are fact checkers that fact check stuff. And before you hit publish on that, it has been vetted. It's been read. The lawyers have looked at it, etc. And so like when you're, when you're talking New York times or the Atlantic or even the athletic where you're attached to a major publishing house, most of the time, I have a higher degree of trust in a story like that uh, than I do uh, just somebody on on social media saying this, that, or the other thing, or even a talk show where the, you know the Pat McAfee show says something. I will I will most likely go with journalists who have some credentials. So they publish a story that had some pretty big allegations against Russell Wilson. Number one is they said. With this whole buildup that was created by Russell Wilson, the let Russ cook narrative that was manufactured and created and publicized by Russell Wilson. He actually has his own publicist that publicizes things for him and for his wife, Sierra. When that narrative had sort of run its course, 
This story says that Russell Wilson went to the ownership group of the Seattle Seahawks, who is Paul Allen, the late Paul Allen's sister. I believe her name is Jody. Jody Allen, she, yeah. She's the, the head of ownership group. Correct. Russ went directly to her and said, here's what we need to do. We need to fire the head coach, Pete Carroll. We need to fire the general manager, John Schneider, and you need to let Russ cook. I want to bring in my own coach that's more friendly to to my elite skill set, and uh, I'm going to have my my own coaching staff, etc. It's actually Jake Heaps, who used to be on 710 Cairo. Before that, he played his high school ball here. He went on. He was playing in Salt Lake City for a bit. He kind of bounced around college ball, uh, and he blew it in college ball. He's very, very talented. So anyway... Jake Heaps, who is at uh, 710 ESPN, stayed in touch with Russ. And then one day he disappeared from the air. He was on their midday show. And he disappeared because he went to Denver to go be the personal quarterback coach for Russell Wilson. And so Jody, and I, no, they didn't report on exactly how this conversation went down, but clearly they made their choice. Uh, you, you know what? And I'm going to bet that Russell Wilson has culpable deniability here because I'm going to imagine somebody else had that conversation for him. I don't think Russell Wilson had that direct conversation that's with fair. Jody Allen. And and that's one of the reasons why I bet he's going to come out and be, he'll, he'll be able to deny it, but he's not that, that he never had this conversation, but he won't be able to say that that conversation never happened. So what, watch, what, watch the, watch the denial and the way it's denied. So, so, um, the Seahawks made their decision. They stuck with Pete Carroll and with John Schneider. Russell Wilson goes to Denver. Then the story goes on and it talks about what we've already talked about, which is, um, Denver bending over backwards to let Russ cook. So part of this deal was one of the largest, uh, uh contracts ever. The more, some of the highest guaranteed money until Cleveland uh, put their foot in a big tile, a pile of flaming dog poop, uh, with that quarter quarterback situation but at the time russell wilson huge guaranteed contract part of the deal was we're going to open up this offense let russ cook uh part of the deal is he gets his own office which we've talked about on the second floor he gets his own crew of people that have access to the facility the part that we didn't say that this article talks about which is friggin' hilarious to me because you and i have been in, in several professional football franchises buildings before russell wilson did two things. One is, and I'll just ask you this, Don, real quick. I don't even know if you read the story. What is the day off during the NFL season? What's the day off that all the players really look forward to? Which day of the week is your off day? Well, typically? it depends on when you've played. So if you, if played, you played on, on a Sunday, if you played on Thursday night, it's different. Well, typically on a Sunday, the Seahawks do it different. They will go in on Monday. They will watch film. They will get treatment. Sometimes they'll take Tuesday off and then right. they'll come back at, at Wednesday. Not not every, not every team does that. Some teams will say, especially if you get late, if, if you're on the road and you've been somewhere together for a whole weekend, they will take that Monday off and come back on Tuesday. It's usually either Monday, Monday or Tuesday, depending on when you played your game. So up. the Denver Broncos uh, off day was Tuesday, similar to the Seattle Seahawks off day is Tuesday. Russell Wilson planned private film sessions with a skill play with the offense on Tuesdays. So it's not the game film breakdown with your head coach and your offensive coordinator. It's the Russell Wilson independent film study on the day off. So he did that. And then the second thing is he told his teammates, Hey guys, I have an open door policy on my office, which is on the second floor of the building. Where none of you ever come up, 
everybody's on the if you've ever been to a football stadium all the admin people are upstairs sometimes the gm is upstairs but the coaching and the film rooms and the weight room and the food area and all the the all that stuff with the trainer everything's on the bottom floor russell said hey guys i've got an open door policy on the second floor of the broncos facility swing by whenever you want to come into my office you know where to find me when we're not doing film days on your off day and um they also say in this uh, story that one of the coaches an assistant coach came by was like walking by and he sees russ's office didn't know what was going on he's like are you a coach or a player hang on no let me push back a little bit a lot of these quarterbacks and and aaron Rodgers stopped doing this tom brady still does it in the off season uh, and russell wilson has done this they will fly players and if the player is a newer player and doesn't have the money to do it Russell Wilson has reached into his pocket before. He's paid for those players, those Alaska receivers. Alaska Airlines receipts. What's that? He always uses Alaska Airlines. Don't even pretend like he's buying tickets. Well, whatever it is, if, if Russell had a good year in Denver. You, I'm going to push back for good. You remember. Yeah, I was pushing the, back. You can't push back. I'm going to push back. Russell You're Wilson, interrupting my pushback. I didn't for, interrupt your pushback. For Christmas one year, Russell gave his linemen all a package of all of his sponsor stuff. They got like five uh, round trip airline tickets for Alaska Airlines. Russell wasn't sponsored. They got Braun Razors, which is Russell wasn't sponsored. He gave them all stuff that he got for free. Wow, we don't know that. Yes. We don't know. Okay, so I I retract my Did you want to know what I thought, or did you just want to sit and tee off on Russell Wilson? I want to tee off on Russell Wilson. Well, if, if Russell had a good year this year, we would be saying, you know what? The reason why I had a good year uh, is because Denver allowed him to cook on his days because he loves talking about all the work that he does on his days off. Yes. On his days high off. Knees. I'm doing high knees. Uh, here's a lot. He was having his own film study. He was inviting the younger players to come. This is stuff that Aaron Rodgers just stopped doing, right? And we saw him struggle this year. And, and so maybe Russell Wilson was trying too hard. Some of the coaches said, as you said, Ron, hey, is he a coach? Or is he a player? You go back, you go back to Bill Russell. Bill Russell won two championships out of his 11 championships being a coach and a player. Right. A lot of times a quarterback is a coach, especially for a lot of those young players that come in. So I'm going to be honest with you, him having a room that had whiteboards everywhere where you could come in and you could create plays, I don't really have a problem with that. Now, if if, if, if he's not in the locker room, if that's where he's if he's doing a Michael Jordan, like Michael Jordan wouldn't change with the guys in the locker room. He had his own area. We look at a guy like Ken Griffey Jr., who kind of had his own corner, but he was still down in the locker room. Ken Griffey Jr. showed us you can be an absolute superstar, but you need to be down in the locker room with sure. those guys. And and I just don't think I I think Russell Wilson went in there and tried to do too much. I don't think he tried to do too little. And some of the things that I'm hearing him, you know, they're beating him up about. Cliff Averill came out yesterday and said, you know what? Uh, he had a similar room here with the Seahawks. We didn't call it his office. We went in there all the time. We pulled out the whiteboards and, and we talked ball. We talked football. We created plays. So it's not like guys are in there chewing tobacco and watching porn. It was just, (laughs) they were, they, and maybe some people want that. They were in there talking ball. And the thing is Nathaniel Hackett, 
was in way over his head with a personality like that. And we both know that Sean Payton isn't going to put up with that. And I would imagine, I would imagine that wherever Russell Wilson went, be careful what you wish for, because he's always wanted Sean Payton because he's always admired Drew Brees. He loves Drew Brees. He sees himself as a younger version of Drew Brees. The difference is Drew Brees later on could stand in the pocket and throw the ball. Russell Wilson is unable to do that so, so far. Russell immediately came out when this story dropped on his social media and said, Pete Carroll's like a second father figure to me. I, I didn't ask for him to be fired, which I don't believe. I think that's a, a bold-faced lie. Uh, he did ask him to be fired. It, it backfired on him, and his career went downhill. I only harp on this, and, and, and I'll give you the last word. I only harp on this partly for selfish reasons because I saw this cheeseball character from almost day one and was consistently when we were on Cairo, I got my hand slapped all the time when I would talk about not the on the by field who? stuff by, who? by the program directors, by people giving me sideways glances, people pulling me aside and going, dude, lighten up a little bit on Russ, like that kind of stuff. And, and it was like, I'm not saying he's not a good football player. I never said he wasn't a good football player. He's pretty quirky. I just, I, it's not for me. Yeah. This this suite of personality traits is not for me. And so I feel a little vindicated now that it's coming out that, yeah, he's weird in a lot of ways. Would you like him to come out and say, hey, this has been a hard year. This has been a painful year. Uh, a lot of this is on me. Uh, I came in here and tried to do too much. We have Sean coming in now. And the bottom line is this. I had a great time in Seattle. I really feel connected to that franchise. I hope to raise the 12th man flag someday. I hope to be welcomed back. But in the meantime, the Broncos are my team. So let's ride. <laughs> Bronco country. <laughs> That's a good way to end the segment. Hey, you guys, back to the Ron and Don show in a moment. I love those guys. They <laughs> are amazing. Speak about being amazing. Do you want to be amazing in 2023? We have a 2023 life-changing event coming up. There are 30 people on February 16th. It costs nothing. There's no flim-flam. There's no bait and switch. But we have raised the bar here. We don't want just 30 people showing up that want to meet us because... We can meet you some other time. And believe, believe you me, we're not that exciting. Ron, this specifically, we are dialing into our health and we're dialing into our wealth when it comes to building wealth and health through the power of real estate, right? Yeah, so 30 people and we are going to do a two-hour event here. And I guarantee you, if you really lean into this and you really listen to it, we are going to come up with a custom game plan just for you to acquire that first piece of real estate. It's probably not going to be tomorrow. It might take six months. It might take a year. But if you are ready to go on this journey with us, that's who we want to partner with. So if you're motivated, this rings true. Go to ronanddon.com slash change. It's limited to 30 people. ronanddon.com slash change. We'll see you everybody, February 16th. And now back to the show.
All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. And don't forget, if you need us, we've been doing a lot of sit-downs lately. A lot of sit-downs. We have. If you are thinking about getting into the real estate game, and I just went and I, I toured a couple of houses this morning, and you're starting to see there was a person there in front of me. I've seen uh, other agents that we know uh, go up in multiple offer situations again on specific houses. So the market is definitely thawing out in Seattle. If you are thinking, I want to be a buyer or a seller or an investor, just to start out either on the website, ronanddon.com, or you can email me directly ron at ronanddon.com and we will get a sit down zoom call scheduled with you yeah all right ronanddon sit down uh dot com one of the the fastest growing podcast uh that we see not only around the country around the world right now is true crime people love true crime you turn on netflix people love true crime and in fact, Netflix and a lot of people out there that podcast, in fact, uh, our good friend Kim Shepard, who used to be our anchor, does a true crime podcast. And it seems like if you find somebody like her, that's a very good reporter that will kind of dig in, do their work, has a great presentation, uh, and lets curiosity be their guide, and also is able to maybe uncover some stuff that the police are not able to uncover. Think about this. Think about all the policing right now around the country that is not happening. And the reason it's not happening is because there's not enough police officers. And that's just not here in Seattle. That is around the country. And so what happens to cold case units? Cold case units are one of the first units that disappear, especially when you have to have boots on the ground and you have to have cops back in cars responding to 911 calls. And, and so what we've seen kind of fill the space are a lot of journalists, a lot of writers, a lot of people that are just damn curious or they're phenomenal on their computers at hunting down information. And we're seeing this happen in real time right now. And I'm going to call him Alex Murdoch. People, some people call him Alex Murdoch, but he's an attorney down in Texas. And without having to explain all this, because I really can't it explain. It is a Netflix special. I, I can't explain all of it. You can, you can watch it, though, in real time right now on the internet, because it's one of these things where Court TV and everybody else is filming him, because he's actually on the stand in a murder trial. And he is accused of killing uh, his oldest son, and he's also accused of killing his wife. What's really interesting about this is the Netflix special, which began to cover this particular case, started digging, and they found they found out, and 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 I don't want to give it all away in case you want to dig in and you want to watch this, but they found out that there were other there were two other murders that happened earlier around that particular family that were really never solved. And one of the murders. Uh, happened to a young boy that went to school with his sons. And there's some kind of rumor out there that one of his sons may have been having a gay relationship with this young man. And the next thing you know, this man is drug out of a truck and he is murdered. He's killed. He's laying in the middle of the street. Someone tried to make it look like a truck or a car hit him, but they're reopening that case thanks to Netflix. And fast forward, going back to this would have been 2015. In 2018, they find out that Alex Murdoch, that his family housekeeper, in fact, there's a 911 call where his wife, Maggie, is on the 911 call. The housekeeper has fallen and cannot get up and is dead. And as a result of this, Alex comes in and he tells the housekeeper's two sons, 
I'm going to go in and I'm going to sue who's ever responsible for this. And as a, uh, so I think he, he sued the insurance company. And, and the next thing you know, there's $4.3 million that's on the table that completely disappears. And Alex Murdoch has now said that that money belonged to the boys. It's somewhere between a million and, and $4 million. They don't have it all figured out. He, is, he, he said this week on the stand that that money belonged to her two sons, that he took the money and he put it in his pockets. He says, I have an addiction problem. And so not only did I steal money from my clients, but I've been stealing money from lots of people over the past couple decades. He said it's because he's addicted to opioids and has been addicted for the last 20 years. But, but someone did some research. All the money that he stole, if he was taking opioids 24-7 for the rest of his life, he actually ha- has stolen enough money to provide opioids, not just for himself, but his entire family uh, for the next 116 years. So they're thinking, yeah, I don't think all the money went toward opioids. Where did the money really go? So nonetheless, he is taking the stand this week in his own defense. And Ron, what's really crazy, if it wasn't for Netflix, if it wasn't for the exposure, and this isn't ABC or CBS or CNN figuring this out, this is a lot of people looking at this information at home. They're dynamic on their computers. They're dynamic in chat rooms. They've got together. And and not only are they solving some cases uh, sometimes, but in this particular case, they dug up two other murders and they're like, hey... Isn't this kind of interesting? And it is kind of interesting. It's interesting. And, and, and there's interesting arguments on this because we've seen this with, you know, the California killer that was Patton Oswalt's uh, uh, late wife solved that case. That guy was arrested. The Don't F with Cats documentary uh, sort of crowdsourced and, and came up with a, a suspect in that. You have this case here where, and like you said, the police departments just don't have the resources. I think, I think the police procedurals actually have worked in to the disadvantage of police in this regard. When you watch NYPD Blue and CSI Miami, like all of these shows, it appears, even Bosch or whatever, it appears like, oh, I got these dogged detectives. Um, They got all the time in the world, all the resources in the world. Everybody's at their beck and call. We can get a CSI unit out at the drop of a dime, and we're going to wrap this thing up in a neat little bow uh, in in a pretty short amount of time. When in reality... Um, it couldn't be farther from the truth. Like there are some detectives that their caseload is, they might have 50 cases. They might have 75 cases. Uh, even when you get to homicides, there, there's not like a, a, a department that has one detective with one homicide on their desk and they can go out and dedicate, you know, 80 hours a week to solving this crime. They have to be, you know, work the politics of the office. They got supervisors that are breathing down their neck. There's new cases that pop pop up they get pulled in a thousand directions they're trying to deal with their family and pick up their kid from school so i think the police procedural made it appear like that all of these cases should be solved and so now you have some amateurs coming in uh that may be tangential to police work but like you said they're just working on one case and they could be doing a television show where they have a big budget And they might have three or four research assistants that uh, they're just plowing through evidence on that one case. So uh, I think it's interesting. And the other side, though, they're the one of the criticisms, which I think is valid, is when you're crowdsourcing crime and solving crimes, sometimes people get 
on the wrong person and can do a lot of harm. So if you, I don't know if you watched the don't F with cats documentary. Um, there was a time in that case where these internet sleuths were going in the wrong direction before they went in the right direction, they went in the wrong direction and the damage that can be done when hundreds, dozens or hundreds of people in this, that case was on a Facebook, a private Facebook group are going after someone and it's actually the wrong person because they don't have any checks and balances that you'd have like getting a warrant or needing probable cause those sort of things that are baked into the law there's an amateur on facebook you don't have to obey that stuff it can do a lot of harm mm -hmm. and it can ruin lives so i i but you think of serial with adnan syed and that he's now out of jail he was released within the last month or so which is an amazing story that podcast sort of started the true crime genre on podcasts um sarah koenig had the forethought the producer of that show to go through the courts like she would when she made a discovery um she didn't she wasn't naming names of other suspects she wasn't saying what about th this guy could have done it that guy could have done it she alluded to the fact that there was other evidence but then like she she waited for the court system to exhaust the appeals if you will so i think it's just a different I, I, I'm happy when you get a good result and I feel for the people whose lives may have been ruined, uh, if they are wrapped up in something that was erroneous. Yeah. Let's talk more on the other side. Hey, it's Ron Don here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.loans. Mitch, uh, do I need to have 20% down to buy a house right now? No, and that's actually one of the most common mistakes that I do here is people think and people have thought for a long time that 20% is the standby. 20% the first time you're buying a home is not normal at all. With with prices, you know, around a million dollars often for first time home buyers, 20% is a lot of money to save and it is not necessary. You can put 3.5% down with an FHA loan, 5% down, sometimes even less with a conventional. and Mortgage insurance just isn't as bad as it used to be. I just did a loan that was a $900,000 home. The buyers put 10% down and they were going to pay mortgage insurance of $100 a month for two years. Now that $2,400 feels like a lot, maybe, but if you talk about how much their home is going to grow in value over that time, it's nothing. All right. He's Mitch Weeks. Uh, get in touch with him at Mitch.loans. If you're a first time buyer and your ears just perked up and go, I'd like to buy a house for 5% down, it's Mitch.loans. Dot loans. All right, you guys, uh, welcome back to the Ron Don Show. We just had our first life-changing event. Uh, that was on a Thursday night, and Ron and I actually took showers. We put on jackets, and you guys showed up in force. You looked amazing. Uh, what was the life-changing event about, and what were some of your takeaways? Uh, th this first life-changing event we had was for people that were first-time buyers, or you're thinking about buying your first investment property. And Mitch, who you hear on our show here, Mitch Weeks, let us use his office. He has a really nice conference room over by Factoria. And uh, we packed the room out and we had some uh, shrimp cocktail and some White Claws and different sodas. So it was, it was kind of fun to meet everybody. I, uh, I saw some of the people leaving swipe a couple bottles of wine, full bottles of wine on the way why out. Why wouldn't they? And then someone sent me a picture of them uh, drinking the bottle of wine after, <laughs> after the event. And I'm like, that is awesome. I'm so glad you did that. So. What was, you spoke first. I'm curious. <coughs> Excuse 
excuse me, what your what your takeaway was, what what your impression was. Uh, I think it's really important that if you are going to kind of work in the real estate space, that you just get around other people that do it better than you do. And as I was thinking about sitting in that room and especially over the past couple of years, just, just all the information that I've taken in or all the things that I've learned. In fact, this morning I was out at a couple of my rentals and I like, I like going in and doing some of the maintenance and some of the handyman stuff on it because uh, it's the way that you learn. It's the way that you learn about homes and houses and real estate. And I like doing it. And, and sometimes I'm in over my head, so I got to call in a professional, but, but today I was able to get, get most of those things done. And, and I like being around it. I like being around the tools. I like my son being around it. Uh, at a fire at one of my rentals, knob and tube uh, that I've talked about before. So doing some cleanup over there as well. And then uh, planning now what we're going to do with this this place in this space now that we've gutted it. And and I just kind of like being around it. You know, there's other people that are just looking for passive income. And if you're just looking for passive income, you know, sometimes the best thing is just you you, you stay diversified. But you invest in safe things as best as you can on Wall Street. Uh, be careful while you're doing that because I just saw the new, and we're going to talk about it uh, in episode 515, the new Madoff series is out on Netflix as well. And wow, just wow. What he was able to do and the people he's able to trick and the way that he was able to do that is just mind-blowing. Just mind-blowing. But to set that aside, it, it was it was just really great to be in a room with people that didn't have a golden spoon handed to them were there because they were curious were there because they want to work hard were there because we have we all have a common dream and and for me it's it, it's building security that i've never felt in my life before and a lot of the insecurity that i felt about as a boy from growing up in, in a family where we had food insecurity and we certainly had financial insecurity uh, it is stuck with me. And here I am 55 years old and I still get up every day and I'm still driven by that. And I have to be honest too. I'm still scared by it. And sometimes being a little bit scared is okay. My, my friends who had, and I, and I look back, I look back at some of my high school friends, a lot of my fi- high school friends that had things handed to them or that didn't maybe weren't forced to work the way that I was forced to work when, when I was in high school, I didn't have a choice. I, I look now at, at their lives as, as they have gotten older, and many of them are still dependent on their parents. They're still dependent on the trust that their parents left behind. And I wonder generationally if their kids will be dependent on that. So, th- so that's a message to me, right? Hey, important maybe to leave something for my son, but make sure that you leave something that's way out in the future where he's already had an opportunity to go out and fail and fall on your face and figure it out. Because if you do all that for someone, just like even when I said today I had to go out and I had to fix some lights in a house, I had to fix some door locks in a house. The, the reason I know so much about that lighting and those door locks is because I went and I did the work and I looked on YouTube and I figured it out, right? You can figure out anything now. Uh, if you're curious and you have YouTube, you just get a couple tools, you can just do that. So, so, so for me, 
for me, I just like being around it. I like being around everyone. I like talking about our stories. I like talking about how real estate has intersected and changed our lives in very, very positive ways. I didn't look out there and see a lot of people. And there's other, I didn't see anyone pulling their yacht when they pulled up in the parking lot. I saw a couple nice cars, but I think for a, a lot of us, we're just working people and we want to be able to take real estate, right? And, and, and for me, create a wealth snowball because I want to make sure when I get older, a lot of us are living longer, but our brains are shot. I mean, they are. It is pretty funky to see how many of my, how many of my friends have parents with, with dementia. I was talking to one of my buddies the other day. Both his parents have dementia. They can't stand each other, so they have to be in separate facilities. It is $25,000 a month right now to take care of those two parents. So... I never want to become that kind of burden on my son, my friends, my family. I want to be able to take care of myself. So that's part of the wealth snowball as well. So for me, it's not about the stuff. It's about security that real estate can provide. And it was also looking back and reflecting because I, I had shared about the first home I bought. I showed some of the pictures. And then I talked about snowballing, not about just the first, but here's the second, here's the third. Here's some other homes that I bought in the, in the way that I've been able to snowball that wealth. And again, right now, I'm very home rich and, I, and I'm very cash poor sometimes. So, so I, I'm in those years, right? I'm still not in those years of retirement. I'm still in those years of doing the work and I'm enjoying doing the work. And I really enjoyed being around people who are just starting that journey, being able to tell them some things that I learned that nobody else told me. Uh, and, 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 and I just appreciated that vibe in the room. I thought it was a very good vibe. And now we're beginning to sit down privately with some people that were there in the room. And it's pretty exciting to see some of the directions that people are going to go with real estate here, especially women, especially women, women really took charge of that room the other night. And especially older women that are, maybe they own a home and they're like, you know what? I'm going to retire. I want to buy a rental and apartment building. How do I do that? Uh, it was a lot of fun. What about you? Uh, well, first off, I don't think you, you need to worry about being a burden on your friends and family because me, I've never told you this, but me and your best friends, we are yeah. getting a little cabin in the woods. Yeah. We're going to take you out there with some of those uh, plastic tool sets like you'd see at Toys R Us. Shoot. And then every day we're just going to get you up and have you like put some stuff together, take it apart, and then the next day, <laughs> hey, Don, we got a project for you. Oh, and then man. you're going to come out, put it back together again, and we're just gonna, that's going to just keep you occupied yeah. uh, every day. Thank you. <laughs> Do that, please. <laughs> All right. So there you go. That's Those are my thoughts on the life-changing event. Ron's going to have some thoughts on the life-changing event, and he'll share those in episode 515. We have more life-changing events coming up, and I've heard from a lot of you that want to talk about 1031 exchanges. Uh, some of you own a home or two, and you're looking to maybe buy a triplex, a uh, fourplex, an eightplex, a twelveplex. I have a friend that just bought a twenty-sixplex. So anyway, we're going to talk more about that, about investing, about partnering, and about the leverage that you create for yourself sometimes and the snowball that you create for yourself when you bring others in to partner. And in fact, I'm going to ask one of my partners to come and speak 
at our next life-changing event. He's one of my mentors, and I think it'll be life-changing for you as well. So anyway, if you want more information on a life-changing event and you don't get our newsletter because we sent out, we sent out, a uh, recap of it, yeah. Yeah. You can, you can sign up and, and just go to ronandon.com uh, and under where all the blog listings are, it'll be right there. You can see it's a, a picture of Don in your, your suit jacket and there's actually two audio clips we were able to capture from the life-changing event. It's right there on the website. Yeah, so check it out. If you don't have the newsletter, just write us and uh, we'll get you on the newsletter, ronandonsitdown.com. Hey, you guys, thanks for listening to episode 514. Thanks for supporting our sponsors like Les Schwab and our good friend Mitch at Mitch.loans. And people have been reaching out and they're saying, hey, we would like to... we would like to advertise on the podcast. If you'd like to do that, just reach out to Ron and we'll send you some of our materials. And if we can't make your phone ring, if it doesn't work for us, if it's not a good fit, we'll let you know, but then we'll suggest something else that might be a good fit for you. We don't want to take your money and it doesn't affect your business. We want it to have great effect on your business. Yeah, just email me, ron at ronanddon.com. Same email address. If you want to do a sit down, uh, we can definitely do that for buyers, sellers, or investors. It is still a great time to buy, though, right? There now. you go. Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. It's the Ron and Don Show. Oh, my! On the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 On the Ron and Don Radio Network.